0: Hello and welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, recruiting, uh, and some other stuff too. We're in episode 22 or 23, uh, having a good time, entering the winter. If you are from the area, you know that it has snowed. Uh, about, a, about a whole winter's worth of snow in the past three days, but uh, we're still we're still recording the podcast. Heading into an intriguing December suddenly becomes really, really fun with uh, signing day the bowl games michigan basketball getting some big games uh, in december as opposed to waiting for february so pretty busy month got a lot to talk about uh it's due to scheduling and, and some of the weather stuff as well uh, we do not have steve or isaiah on the other side but we've got a new a new contributor josh henschke uh from the scout side of that merger uh managing editor of the michigan insider uh he's he's just like isaiah and i at all the games and he also does a lot of recruiting stuff too so it should be a fun show and and be, feel free to uh comment and let us know how he did but anyway uh this is a very good audio source we try to run through everything but if you want to know more about some of the stuff we talk about definitely check out themichiganinsider.com uh 24 sports.com slash michigan uh you know you can follow us on twitter and everything uh lots of stories i, I think we're at like 15 stories a day so this should really be your one-stop shop for for all things Michigan sports. Uh, we got a huge staff now. We're we're covering the heck out of everything. So definitely recommend that. But let's get started with this podcast. Just a few moments ago, uh, at least at the time we were recording this, twenty-four-seven sports released its first two thousand eighteen basketball rankings for recruits uh, that that has combined insight of Scout and twenty-four-seven. So this is. Uh, very in my eyes a very comprehensive list and michigan players uh four players castleton to julius nunez and brisdykus moved up a combined 219 spots uh nunez the biggest leaper moving all the way up to 176 moving up 111 spots uh castleton moved up 59 to julius 45 uh iggy's already up pretty high so it'd be hard for him to move up that much but he moved up four spots Uh, into into that top 40 range and so josh uh you're kind of well you're kind of our lead on basketball recruiting your thoughts on on these rankings uh is it was it justified i know brandon johns moved down a few spots i curious what you think of there and having followed what some of these guys are doing so far this season i guess uh what what did you think of these rankings when you saw them
1: Yeah, I'm actually, to be honest with you, I'm kind of surprised Brandon Johns fell as much as he did. I mean, I'm not sure what more the kid can do to get some love around here. I mean, they're all, all of Michigan commits are pretty much on the same uh, playing field in terms of of their level of play right now. I mean, they're all at a very, very high level of play. Um, But, you know, I get it. Most of this, the ranking games is extremely subjective Some scouts are going to be more enamored with a guy than the other, but I think the biggest surprise for me is is how far Brandon Johns fell. I mean, again, like I said, I mean, what more can the kid do to get some, to get some love? I mean, he hasn't been playing poorly. He's been uh, dealing with a little bit of an injury, but it hasn't really been putting him back at all. I mean, he's still scoring over 20 points a game. Um, you know, Adrian Nunez is, is killing it, and he's a kid that You know, obviously, didn't really get much uh, fanfare during his recruitment until the very end, until uh, when Michigan decided to get in. But um, it's good that he's starting to get some love. He's he's uh, in a really good situation now with his new uh, prep school, and you know, overall, I mean, we knew coming in that this was a talented, Mm -hmm. um, talented recruiting class, And, and now it's starting to reflect in the rankings and on paper.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but just for context for people out there who maybe aren't following it, Brandon Johns is averaging 28.7 points and 10.3 rebounds per game through 3 games. So, uh as you said, I mean, he's on the short list of Michigan Mr. Basketball. He's scoring like he is. I think he actually uh-huh. leads all the recruits in scoring. Now, competition is notable and and you know how your team plays, but fell from 67th to 106th uh which is pretty big fall uh happy birthday to him by the way um but uh <laughs> but but you know he's still he's still in the ballpark and I think that was to me my biggest thought was like all of a sudden Adrian Nunez who uh you know he kind of reminded me of when Michigan got Spike Albrecht and Muhammad Ali Abdur-Rahman he's a little bit older for his grade uh kind of a a guy who was like the other recruits that or the other schools that were going after him like the best school was Penn State uh, that was, mm-hmm. you know, didn't ha- only had one Division I offer as of September uh, before Michigan, a and a couple other schools swooped in. Uh, but he's up to 176, so they obviously see something in him. I think you and I were mentioning before the show. Uh, he kind of just needed a different team. But one guy I'm very intrigued by because he had that monster, monster game uh, the other day. 43 points, 11 rebounds, 8 blocks, 5 assists. Uh, and his team is one of the best in the entire state of Florida Colin Castleton, he jumped from 140 to 81. And Josh, we don't. We'll, we'll talk more about basketball recruiting maybe once basketball becomes more of the forefront. But I guess just real quick, what stands out about his game that makes him? I mean, frankly, they just put him at 81. That's you know, that's high four-star territory.
1: Yeah, I think you know for his in his perspective, I think he's just so versatile. Um, he can play, you know, if, if he, I mean obviously he's a huge guy but you could play him at a guard and and he would probably be okay as a guard but um you know he's the type of guy that that still needs to grow into his body i mean if you look at his frame you can see what the coaches see out of him that he, like an unmolded piece mm-hmm. of clay and he's the type of guy that John Sanderson can transform into an absolute monster once uh once he gets on campus but i mean the the, the potential with that guy I mean, outside of maybe Brandon Johns and and is, he might have one of the highest ceilings and untapped potential in this in this class. Just because, you know, he is yet to fill out that frame, and and once he does, he's going to be you know a powerful forward in in uh, Michigan's Michigan system because he can he can hit the inside shot and he can go outside yeah. and he can also dribble too, which you know it's it would be extremely coveted uh, by John Beeline.
0: Yeah, and he just for for reference, when you mentioned he wants to gain weight, he's at 215 pounds according to our site, at six foot eleven. So that's that's right where DJ Wilson and Mo Wagner were when they were coming in, as far as you know height and weight, and uh, he he probably has a little bit more polish, and so so yeah, I agree. I you know, and I'm not necessarily uh, someone who who's always like, oh, this class is gonna you know, I'm not a big recruiting head, but. Uh, these, I mean, they all they all passed my eye test. Even Nunez, um, I, I thought DeJulius moving up 45 spots was justified. I've been kind of mm-hmm. kind of on that stump for for since he really committed. I was like, eh, this guy looks, you know, the comparisons to Derek Walton, you know, are premature, but there is there is some truth to them. Uh, but let's talk about the current team. And you and I have been been to Columbus, been to all the home games, uh, you know, been following this team and. It's kind of already been a journey, which is so weird to say, you know, not even halfway through December. They've already yeah. seen this team. They've played eight uh, major conference opponents. You know, they beat VCU. They beat uh, they beat uh, Indiana. They, they have some big losses. The, the LSU loss is going to hurt. No way around that uh, road losses to North Carolina. The Ohio State loss hurt in the way that it happened. I don't think it actually hurt in the grand scheme of things. Ohio State looks like a tournament team. It was on the road. Uh, obviously, you don't want to lose, blow a 20-point lead, but RPI-wise, that one might hold up. And then they responded to, those lo- to that loss uh, by coming back from 15 down to beat UCLA in overtime. Uh, that was a huge game. And then just earlier this week, they beat Texas. And so, so there's been a lot of <laughs> a lot, a lot thrown at us, good and bad, about this team. Yeah. Uh, and I, my question for you, and I'll answer first, so you can get a chance to to have yours. But the biggest thing you learned from the past five games, and you know, there's there's a lot actually out there, and and the one that stands out to me is that this team is actually I'm I'm gonna make the case uh, in a story probably tonight, but this team's actually ahead of schedule. You know, if you look at last season's team. Or even the season before, they were more experienced. They had more returning starters each of the past two seasons, and they were doing things like barely beating Texas at home, losing to Virginia Tech at home, getting punked by Xavier and UConn in back-to-back games. Uh, you know, just struggling against bad teams and losing to so-so teams. And so this team, the LSU one, hurts, but the upward trajectory is just really evident to me, you know, they and, and this is what I would say is you look at where they were when they played North Carolina, they are substantially better than they were 2 weeks ago, which is when that was. And they and I think, you know, this schedule uh, is is a gauntlet schedule. You know, I don't think <laughs> Beeline wants to ever have something like this ever again where they're going to and from Hawaii, uh, they're in uh, totally different time zones, they're playing 7 power conference teams in a span of uh, not even 3 whole weeks. Uh, you know, that's that's what that's more intense than a Big 10 schedule. So um so the so there is that. I think that's you know, that's gauntlet, but it, they also learned a lot. And I think that, you know, they played 12 games in 31 days. Now they have 3 games in 20 days, and that's kind of why we're doing a little bit of reflection because no offense to Detroit, Alabama, and NM and Jacksonville State, uh Those should all be 20-point wins, or at least double-digit comfortable wins. Whereas the past few weeks, those have not been the case. So I think they're actually ahead of schedule. I think, you know, they seem to be playing as a team better. They seem to have more of a want to uh, defensively, especially. I think they have way more defensive intensity than they had last season until February. And so that's that's important because you know if you look at their schedule, they can maybe this year they can actually win. At Iowa, instead of losing like last two years, maybe they don't have to lose to Illinois uh, to to get that kick in the pants they need. Maybe they can actually secure uh, some tournament, I guess maybe not locking up a bid, but secure some get some tournament security ahead of time, and then they can focus on trying to win a few games in the tournament rather than you know because they got to be frank, they kind of got lucky last season uh, with how things played out, and they had a couple big wins. Uh, but then also, you know, the plane crash really inspired them, and I mean, they were playing really well before that. But I think, I think some some things fell their way. Uh, maybe this season they don't need luck. They can just be a good team, one of the top four teams in the Big Ten, uh, one of the you know a a, a seed above six, <laughs> so that you actually have a good chance of making a run. Uh, so. I guess my my biggest thing I learned is that this team has actually had a schedule and you know the whole talk about on track they're they're more than on track they're on track and I think w- with a win over Texas they're starting to move uh so Josh what was what was your biggest biggest thing you learned these past couple of weeks
1: I think the biggest thing I learned is probably that the Ohio State loss is probably the best thing that ever happened to this team because it kind of really reassessed the mindset and you know they've they've looked like a completely different team since Um, since that loss. I mean, yeah, they struggled a little bit against UCLA UCLA early, but, I mean, you look at that team from probably the latter half of the second half into overtime and the Texas game, I mean, that's a completely different team. Um, Like you said, I mean, they're way ahead of schedule where they were last year defensively. Um, I don't know what the secret sauce is. Maybe it's little, maybe it's is t- teaching. Who knows? But I mean, they're, they are absolutely way ahead. Um, you know, they're, they're getting contributions from guys like Jordan Poole, um, Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, who's, you know, a starting point guard right now. It's just, they're getting contributions when it matters. Um, you know, and, and guys are picking up you know, the, the Duncan Robinsons and, and the uh, Muhammad Ali's who have been struggling. But I give Mar credit. He's had a really strong couple of games. I think that Texas game was probably the best game of his, of this year for him. Um, he looked really good. So, yeah, I think what I've learned, I think my biggest takeaway is that, you know, this team doesn't fold under, under pressure and it, it's staring adversity right in the face and they're, you know they're they're countering every punch that's getting thrown at them right now, and I think you know that that is huge for this team that, that hasn't necessarily had that you know experience because they haven't played in many games together. So yeah, I mean uh, we keep saying every year this this last year was John Beeline's best coaching job, or the year before was John Beeline's best mm-hmm. coaching job. But I mean you can make the argument this year that this is John Be- i want to best. John Beeline's best coaching jobs that he's done. I mean, yeah, you're going to have some frustrating losses, but you're also going to have some wins where you go, wow, how did they pull this off? And, you know, that's just the way it's going to be with this team. But, you know, I, the way Beeline has had this team hit its stride, it's um, That's, it, I mean, you got to make the argument that this is his strongest coaching job this year so far.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you could definitely – you see – you see the opportunity, and I think that's worth something. Uh, I will not be calling this his best coaching job yet. I mean, they're they're what nine and nine and three, and they haven't. You know, I'll wait and see how they do in Big Ten play because that's that's exhausting. I mean, it is. You know, and you're you're gonna end up you're gonna like have this exhausting game at Northwestern, and then like two days later, you got to play at Wisconsin. So uh, we'll we'll see we'll see exactly what comes of it. One thing though. You know, we mentioned this defense, and I know I'm sure there were a few fans out there that were like, What are you talking about? This defense has not been good. And, and from an overall perspective, it actually has. And I'll, I'll take that argument every day. But there is one area where we are seeing uh, a true defensive deficiency, and some of it is a, you know, they're trying to take away three point shots. Uh, some of it is that they're trying to get steals and turnovers. So you do, you just some of it's the nature of things. But. The post play of other teams has been uh, pretty incredible. Uh, you know, you look at Luke May, Jawan Morgan, Kata Bates Yap, uh, Georgie Goleman, uh Gosh, they all have terrible names to pronounce. What's with what these power forwards? <laughs> Dylan, Dylan Uh They all had pretty good games against Michigan. They all play the four. And that leads us to our user question from Via Azul 97. Uh, by far, our most loyal question asker Uh, but he says there's been a lot of talk that Duncan Robinson should be moved to a bench role due to his defense and opponents picking up uh, to isolate on him do you think this is a good idea and what could be your choice for Michigan's starting lineup and so my my instant reaction is I mean I'm I'm not sure I, I think they all I think both he and Isaiah Livers should probably have comparable minutes right now until one of them Asserts to be either exceptionally bad or exceptionally good, you know. Because I know people look at Duncan, they're like, ah, oh, he's a he's a bomb. He shouldn't play. Uh, he's not that bad. This is like what you know when we were trying to tell people about Spate. It's not like he's completing forty percent of his passes and throwing you know four picks a game. Uh, he's just not quite living up to what you would expect. But at the same time, neither is Isaiah Livers. So I'd say, I don't know if you need to change the starting lineup. Necessarily. I guess it kind of depends on the mental makeup of the two. Uh, But I am fully on team equal minutes because Duncan Robinson, you know, he's not only giving up a lot of points, uh, but he's fouling a lot too. And some of it, I mean, he is playing out of position. He's more natural to be a three. uh, And you don't necessarily have a DJ Wilson at the four. I think that's really hurting Michigan right now, especially if Isaiah Livers uh, offensively is struggling defensively there are some holes there too and so so I don't know what I guess my ideal starting lineup if if they were trying to win a big time if they were going up against uh, well it is matchup dependent but if they were trying to win a game put their best efficiency lineup out there personally I think you're looking at uh, you know Eli Brooks or Simpson doesn't matter uh, Muhammad Jordan Poole, Actually Charles Matthews, because I think he is a stronger overall defender, and maybe you take a couple lumps because he isn't quite as big. Uh but I think I think that's probably right now your best shot and then Mo Wagner. I've heard some talk about two big men. I've heard some talk about, you know, maybe putting Livers in the starting lineup. Josh, I guess where do you stand in all this and what would be your ideal lineup?
1: Yeah, I think your your lineup pretty much exactly matches mine. I think a lot of that kind of depends on how quickly, you know, Jordan Poole can can learn how to, you know, pick up the concepts of the two, and then Isaiah Livers also kind of getting caught up to speed at the four. Um, that kind of takes pressure off guys like Charles Matthews and Duncan Robinson to, you know, they don't necessarily always have to be on their game because someone behind mm-hmm. them might not necessarily be on the same level. Um but again, Duncan is in the case of Duncan, it's it's just an exercise in patience. I mean, the guy he, he can't he hasn't not found a shooting stroke yet. Mm-hmm. But when he does, he's deadly. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. I think him and, and Isaiah Livers should split time until one of them proves the beeline that you know they're they're worthy of of starting minutes. And I've always been of the idea that Livers is probably going to be that guy.
0: Yeah, long term, um, I think he is your starter. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and I think Robinson can be extremely effective off the bench, but if he continues to shoot like he's doing now, you know that that bench presence is that's there's going to be nothing there. I mean, there's just he, if he can't shoot the ball, I mean, you can't have a guy like that, you know, performing off the bench. So it's just an exercise in patience. The young guys got to get, have still got to get caught up to speed. You know, like I mentioned, Jordan Poole and Isaiah Livers in particular. And once they kind of start fig- figuring things out, you know, you can you can uh, experiment a little bit with different lineups and stuff. Because it, realistically, this is probably the first out of two weeks that line has been able to have consistent practice time. I mean, you're talking so little turnaround mm-hmm. that you can't afford experiments. So that's why we've had we've seen so many of the same – you know, recurring issues is because they haven't had a chance to really, you know, go back over film and and really teach the stuff and mix up lineups. So, I mean, as you mentioned, what was it, three games in twenty days or something like that?
0: Yeah, and, twelve games in thirty-one days, and then I think they had yeah nine games in twenty-four days or something like that. So, yeah,
1: plenty yeah. of time for practice and and. And you know, kind of experimenting going forward, if that's if that's the route that that Beeline wants to take.
0: Yep, yep. I I think this is this is uh, a pretty pivotal time for Michigan, and I have two questions related to that. Because I, I, sorry, I, I misunderstood which one you were asking about. Yeah, three games in twenty days. None of the teams are in the top two hundred and fifty uh, on the Ken Palm or the RPI, which which might hurt Michigan's strength of schedule, but it will give them a chance. I mean, if they really think these freshmen have something and and Bline has told them that they can be you know one of the best freshman classes in the Big 10 this season and one of the best Michigan's ever had. I mean, he's setting that kind of bar for these for these three. And so this is their time and 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 it's also time for other players to if they've got something that they didn't weren't able to show, you know, maybe they it's a shooting stroke cuz Duncan Robinson, you know, he's shooting 30.8% from 3. He's a career forty-three percent shooter. Uh, if he's shooting forty-three percent, I don't know if people have the same issues because, in that case, you're talking about thirty more points he scored in twelve games. So, you know, it's a whole different ball game. But um, my question is, what player in your eyes has the most to prove? Uh, I'll go first. I I would obviously Jerron Simmons is probably a pretty easy answer because yeah. this is if he doesn't figure it out in these next three weeks. Uh with all due respect to him he's probably not going to figure much into the rotation because he's a fifth year guy they'd probably want to if they're if they're going to develop anybody they're going to prioritize developing the guys who are around next season so this is his chance to ascend but my my actual guy is Jordan Poole because I know the fans and people on our message board who who we like this isn't a shot at them but they they're itching to see Jordan Poole and you know there are some defensive deficiencies there are some issues with uh you know turnovers and being a ball distributor and being you know someone who makes the offense flow because he can score he has a gift for scoring but there are some other issues but i think the bottom line is he has to take minutes from charles matthews and muhammad ali abdul rockman who frankly have been two of the team's three best players this so far so he's either taking it from one guy or the other uh, and if he wants you know 15 20 minutes a game you know they either need a different lineup or they need or those guys he needs to be better than those guys when those guys hit some lulls so to me I think this is a good chance for him not just in showing that he can score more points because I think that's pretty evident you know but I think responding to a little bit of success you know, because he's got a few double-digit points. People know who he is. Fans like him. So how do you respond? How do you keep getting better from there? Uh, and, and then also, how do you play team basketball? Because I think, I think that is an adjustment that a lot of uh, players have to make. I think Jordan Poole's a little bit ahead of it because he played at La Lumiere National Champions. He came off the bench. A Michigan commit and a top 100 recruit coming off the bench. Uh, might sound troublesome, but that team was just that good. And so this is a good chance for him to show that he is a team guy, that he is a guy who can share, who can, you know, be system first, I guess, because he has a gift for making plays and scoring points. And now he needs to apply it to an offense that isn't built on gifted players, it's built on uh, really just overprepared schematics. So if he can do that, I mean, I think Michigan's trajectory, you know, suddenly you start looking at Purdue and you say, oh, well, Michigan maybe can win that game. And suddenly you start looking at Maryland and, you know, some of the road games and you say, well, who knows? I mean, if they've got seven guys that can drop 20 points, which they had toward the end of last season, uh, maybe you've got something going. So he he'd be my most important, even though, you know, a lot of that, a lot of his playing time is dependent on others. Who's most important for you?
1: I think the most important would be Ibby Watson, um you know he's a guy that you know if, if Jordan Pool continues the uh, upward trajectory, then he's going to get left behind in this rotation, and and he can and he can shoot the ball too. But I mean, if it, because it, Jordan Pool was originally going to be my guess, but I don't want to repeat the same stuff that yeah, you just yeah, said. Yeah, thanks for doing that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but <laughs> so you uh, but you definitely, I mean, you definitely see the flashes from Jordan Pool. I mean, you see it; it's there. Um, but you we've kind of just been waiting to see something similar out of a b Watson um for for a while. I mean last mm-hmm. year he didn't really see the court much now was seen the court a little bit, and then Jordan Poole kind of overtook him in the rotation, and you know there's a very very real threat where he could kind of get lost and end up in that you know, Jerron Simmons type area where, okay, are you going to play? Are you going to be a, you know, because Beeline doesn't like
0: the 10 man rotations. He wants, he wants like a couple guys that will come in and play significant minutes as two deep guys, but he doesn't want a platoon with five starters and five reserves.
1: Right. And, you know, like I said, I mean, it's going to be a very real threat there that, you know, Jordan Poole and Isaiah livers will take all of those minutes and there'll be none for guys like Ibi. So, I think, um, I mean, if, if they can find some positive performances out of that, I think that's pretty much found money for you, if we're being honest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is, he is a little bit better this season. I mean, he's, he's you know, shooting 38 per, or 28%, whoop, never mind, uh, from three, but he's gotten a few <laughs> twos. I mean, you can, and and he's a guy, I don't think he has the same, uh, like, I just like in Jordan Poole, and this is not to overly gush on him, but it's almost like he's like a chess master in training where he moves a couple moves ahead of the mm-hmm. play of his opponent. Uh you saw a little bit of that against Texas with that shake and bake spin move. Um, yeah. but you know, Ibby, he's really he's pretty athletic himself. I mean you know he set the he had to set the school record for vertical leap and that was would have been a combine would have been a half an inch shy of the combine record for the NBA. So you know he can get up, he can do a lot of things. It's just building his confidence and he'll get his shots. Uh as far as the team what is the key improvement Michigan needs to make and let's say if let's say right now they're a bubble team and I think you and I both agree they're a little bit ahead of that but what mm-hmm. what is the key improvement for them to be maybe 12 and 6 in the Big 10 this year instead of that 10 and 8 9 and 9 or you know maybe contending with Michigan State or Purdue and entering March as a team that nobody wants to play and um mm-hmm. uh, mm, I got to think about mine. Do you have one ready?
1: Yeah, I I keep going back to it, but I mean, this position is so important to John Beeline's system that, you know, you you can't not talk about it. I mean, I want to see consistent play by the point guards. I mean, it's been great that you've had some really good, positive performances out of Xavier Simpson uh, the last couple of games, especially with that coming out party against UCLA. But, I mean, you got to have more of that. You can't just have two games and then kind of fade away for four and then pop back up. I mean, if you want to see minutes, and if you're Xavier Simpson, you want to see minutes, you want to take over that starting role and you want this to be your team, you'll continue that trajectory that you're on. Um, and, you know, he's he's doing it in all facets of the game, really. He's doing it offensively. You know, a couple of those nice little scoop and those little scoop baskets, especially over a guy like Mo Bamba, that you really wouldn't have seen out of him earlier in the season. And he's also doing it defensively too, with some key steals and getting his hands on passes and things like that. So, I think you know this team will really start to, to tick and move forward if, if these point guards continue to take step forwards. Um, you know, I think Xavier Simpson is probably ahead in terms of the. Um, in terms of the trajectory, but again, Eli Brooks has you know has his own specific skill sets, and you know those two guys are will, will be good point guards in due time. But I think this team will really take a step forward if the point guards do as well.
0: Yeah, mine is it's kind of a easy, admittedly a little lazy one, but the shooting. Because if you look at what Michigan uh, does well and what they don't do well, they're actually in pretty good shape. As far as shot defense, two point defense, uh, t- forcing turnovers, getting defensive rebounds, they're actually in really good shape. I, you know, it's a story for another time. But Mo Wagner's defensive rebounding rate just skyrocketed this year. And uh, but really, it just comes down to the shooting and the part where you know, at three point shooting, some of that is is getting. You know, you can look at that and say, oh, maybe they're just not getting open, or they're they're maybe waiting too late into the shot clock to to create their shot. And maybe that's true. This team is extremely tall. Uh, they have great length. Uh, they shouldn't have too much of an issue getting some open looks from three. But where it, I think it's really coming, becoming a problem, is in free throw shooting. I mean, they're they're making 62.5% yeah. of their free throws. 337th out of 351 teams in that category. Uh, Duncan Robinson and Muhammad Ali abdul Abdurrahman are both over 90%, but nobody else is over 67%. And that's that's kind of yeah. alarming. Uh, I think the biggest ones, of course, Charles Matthews, 20 for 44, because he gets to the line more than anybody else on the team, but he also misses more than anybody else on the team. Jordan Poole has struggled there. Uh, Ibby Watson, we just mentioned these guys. But, you know, and, and really just about everybody is, has missed big ones. It almost It's almost amazing, well, it is amazing, that they beat UCLA despite going 8 for 22 from the free throw line. Uh, yeah. It's just <laughs> it's one of those stats that just... It, just boggles your mind. And we were in the press box and we were like, they're going to miss both of these. You know, we were like calling it and it's like, uh, you know, Xavier Simpson struggling, Eli Brooks, uh, struggling a little bit. So to me, I don't know. I mean, I, if I were beeline, I'm spending a couple days, maybe not before Detroit, because Detroit actually has a pulse. They're going to be kind of in a home game in a weird mm-hmm. atmosphere. Cam Chapman, uh, is averaging, Seventeen and a half points and nine rebounds for them. So there actually is a slight upset chance, but against Alabama AM, one of the worst teams in the country, leading up to that game and maybe a little bit after, if I'm beeline, I am just doing a, a day where it's only shooting. Every player yeah. works out their slumps. You don't leave until you make a hundred free throws. You know, things like that. Uh, I'm obviously not a coach, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's like they they've gotta work this out because you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, not every team you play on the road is gonna be missing their leading score, right? In Andrew Jones. And, yeah. And absolutely. not every, not every team's gonna be like UCLA and just crumble and and throw away this 15 point lead at, at home. So you are gonna have to actually be better than these teams more more often than not. And that's, you know, the biggest glaring weakness right now is their shooting. And they, I mean, there's some mm-hmm. things, offensive rebounding getting to the line, those are just always going to be beeline things. He doesn't want, like to prioritize that. And that's, you know, take that for what you will, but it's worked. I mean, they were bad at offensive rebounding and getting to the line in 2013 and in 2014. So that part you don't worry about, but the shooting uh, certainly is a cause for concern. Uh, but anyway, we'll we'll leave it at that for basketball. They play Detroit on Saturday. I think we'll both be there. Uh, it should be a fun atmosphere. We finally get to see Little Caesars Arena after all the, yeah. the rumors about it. And then yeah. of course uh they play uh Alabama AM next Thursday and then Jacksonville uh on December thirtieth so they get nine days off between those two Barn Burners and then they travel to yeah. Iowa and then away we go. Uh, so that should be fun. But let's let's talk about football. Last week we reviewed the offense. We graded the offensive position groups. Uh it was if you missed it, it was not pretty. I've also been posting stories with a little bit more in-depth stats, I start the defense tomorrow, and so those are fun, fun reads if you're interested. But let's run through. We have defensive line, linebacker, safety, cornerback, special teams, and so we'll we'll just take turns uh, talking about what we thought of each group, and then mm-hmm. a grade. And Josh, uh, for reference, I generally B minus to C plus is about average, and then okay. you know to be an A. Got to be a top 25 unit is roughly what I'm looking at it as. B is top 40, top 50, and you can do minuses and pluses how you see fit. Uh, C is like top 75. D is probably anything below that. So let's start with defensive line. I'm pretty sure I know what kind of grade uh, you're going to give, but well, I guess what would you think of this this defensive line and, and how they did this season?
1: Yeah, I mean, you really can't ask for much more from the defensive line. I mean, you know, guys like Mo Hurst and and Chase Winovich really asserted themselves to be, you know, really, really good defensive linemen. Um, Even even Rashawn Gary, too. I mean, granted, he was double-teamed a lot, but, you know, there's really... You know, you can't ask for anything more from a production standpoint. I mean, they absolutely did their job uh, this year. I mean, that's probably... Well not probably they are they were the strongest unit on the on the defense i mean that 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 was to be expected heading into the year, but really i mean they i think they kind of if it's even possible they exceeded expectations,
0: yeah, I'd say so too, so so you gave him an a yeah
1: a so okay, yeah, should probably should have given a grade yeah yeah <laughs> uh
0: no, you're fine uh you're new here, no, but um yeah, yeah I would agree i mean the M- Mo Hurst, the highest graded defensive Actually, the highest graded player, according to Pro Football Focus, and that's just from his consistency week to week, very rarely made mistakes, and actually, you know, he wasn't Mark Messner out there, but he really got to the quarterback exceptionally well for for a defensive tackle, and Chase Winovich, I know there's debates about staying and going pro, but if you look at his numbers, I mean, what more could he really have done? I mean, though, you know, I understand that All-Americans, you know, not necessarily just going to go based off the numbers, but... he led the Big Ten in tackles, or sorry, tackles for loss, quarterback pressures. Uh, I think he was way up there in sacks. You know, it's just, uh, could not have asked for a better season from him. And you mentioned Rashawn Gary. I mean, Rashawn Gary had over 40 quarterback pressures, which is, you know, that's that's your all Big Ten kind of numbers. And I know Michigan fans are waiting for him to have that 10-sack season. Uh, Might have to wait a little bit longer. Might not ever come. But his quarterback pressure rate is is surreal, uh, and he certainly did a lot. The one thing where I'm, I'm a little shaky is I I don't think Brian Monet uh, met met the bar this season. I think he I don't know what it was, uh, but for some reason he just wasn't there week to week. We saw good things from Aubrey Solomon, and I imagine he's going to play a lot in that Outback Bowl, uh, especially if uh-huh. Mohr skips the skips the game. But uh, that's like the one area where it's kind of like, oh, if they could have gotten an all Big Ten kind of performance from that position, well, then you know maybe you don't win a game, uh, or something. But uh, but you know it's 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 a good it's a good unit overall. I, I'd give it an A two. I mean, it was a top ten, top five unit, number two in the pass rush according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, so certainly, certainly lots of like there linebackers. I'm curious to see what your grade is because there were some blips uh mm-hmm. but overall i mean if you look if you graded on the curve about what you expected from them, very high overall, I guess what do you grade them as
1: i had the, I have them as a b minus I think you know like you said they had their blips um devin bush obviously is a, is a star in the making he's gonna be very very good here uh next year and and beyond but Um, you know, there were some issues with, with Mike McCray a little bit, but, um, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you can't ask for much more from these guys, but there were a lot of things to kind of gripe about, I guess. Um, you know, there's a lot of breakdowns, especially against Penn state, you know, there's plenty of breakdowns. So. I, I think overall, I think you can be happy with what the the linebackers gave you. I think obviously they're not the I don't think they're the weak spot of the defense at all. Uh, really curious to see what happens after next year or next year when when Mike McCray is gone and and who takes that role. But yeah, I think you know they they were they were good at times and then at times they weren't so good. But you know I, I think overall for me a B minus grade is, is fitting for them.
0: Yeah, I think all all three linebackers struggled in pass coverage, and that's something that you saw the the teams that can run a little bit deeper. Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, they were able to exploit that. I think Penn State really did it. I mean, they they did the mismatched uh, sets and and offense, you know, unbalanced offensive uh, uh, formations, and and that I think really set Michigan back. Uh, but we've heard extremely good things about. The linebacking linebacker future, uh, you know yeah. Singleton, Anthony, Josh Ross. I mean, those are guys. They they think all of them uh, can be exceptional. Obviously, you know, it's a it's a process between here and there. But I agree with you. I mean, who would have thought Mike McRae, who didn't have a bad season by by any means? I you know maybe a slight step down from last year, but not really. Uh, but yeah. the, the other two just rocketed up ahead. Khaliq Hudson and and Devin Bush Jr. And Devin Bush Jr. saw him pop up on a couple All-American lists. Uh, certainly deserved. Uh, really, just uh, the whole unit played with the extreme intensity, too. Yeah, the, the tenacity, I whether it was getting after the quarterback, chasing a running back down in the flats, uh, you know, closing out screen plays. So uh, pretty, pretty good. I, I'd probably say A-minus. I'm tempted to say B plus, but I think I gave the running backs a B plus, and I think the linebackers did better than the running backs this year. So A <laughs> minus, uh, B plus. Let's look at cornerbacks. Uh, boy, Mike Zordich, he the he's got to be on some people's short list for for you know a, a promotion to be a DC somewhere because he lost his he lost Jordan Lewis, Channing Stribbling, Jeremy Clark and he comes in and they're the number 1 pass defense again. Now some of that does have to do with the line, the defensive line doing their part, but even if you look at pass coverage, it was a top 20 unit. Uh hard to argue. I mean there were a couple plays, a couple plays, but those cornerbacks uh put together yet another dominant season. What do you, how did you grade them?
1: Yeah, they're they're an A, hands down A. Um they were my biggest question mark heading into the season. And I think week one they pretty much immediately squashed those questions. I mean they were they were fantastic. I mean they weren't not necessarily showing up in in interceptions or whatever, but you know quarterback passer rating you know on 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 both David Long and Lavert Hill were you know absolutely just incredible. Um, I totally agree with you, Mike Zordich deserves some type of award for assistant coach of the year. Uh, for the job he's done i mean th- during his entire stay at michigan really i mean he's done he's done a phenomenal job developing these guys and and you know it's uh, it, again it's it's one of those things where and they're only going to get better because they're still very young, and this is their first real season of experience, and you know they're they're only going to get better as time goes on and and that's kind of a Scary thought if you think about it, because you know they're, they're they're very young. They've they've still got some guys waiting in the wings like Avery Thomas and and uh, Benjamin Saint Juice. So the, the the sky is the limit for this group. And you know as long as uh, Zordich sticks around, I mean this is going to be a very very strong unit
0: going forward. Sky is the limit and the roof is the ceiling. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I would agree. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was undoubtedly. Uh as far as expectations they certainly exceeded it. Um by the way, uh looks like uh I'm going to pull it up. Um but it looks like both David Long and Levert Hill were in the top 10 in the conference in quarterback efficiency against uh which is you know there were a lot of veterans at corner actually excuse me, I had the wrong page. They were second and third in the conference in passer rating against which is uh, very absurd when you really when you really think about it. Um, I mean, that's you know they're all Big Ten cornerbacks as as first year starters, so yeah. they they get an A minus because I think you know we can look at season long stats uh, all we want, uh, but you know there are there were a couple plays where that they had to make that they didn't, and that that can cost you. That's True. that's the nature of the cornerback position. Is you know I, I mean Jordan Lewis was the best cornerback maybe in the country all season last year and then he blew coverage in I believe that was him that blew it in the Orange Bowl and yeah. that ended up costing yep. him an 11th win so well indirectly of course there's a lot that goes into it but that's the nature so you know getting rid of a couple of those big plays uh but yeah if you got everybody coming back there I mean I don't know who who is going to have a good passing game against Michigan if I don't know if anybody is and so, so that's something to keep an eye on. Safeties, uh, maybe, maybe not, not your A or A minus. Um, no. uh, had a couple, couple slip ups. You know, we talk about the big plays. A lot of them were on uh, Tyree Kinnell, Josh Metellus. Where, where do yeah. they fall in the grade for you?
1: I think uh, I would say probably a C, maybe C plus. Um, probably the weakest group of on defense. I mean they were they were picked on a lot. And it almost seemed like to me Josh Mattel has kind of regressed a little bit as the season went on. Um, you know, I I I don't know why, maybe call it a sophomore slump or whatever, call it whatever. But, you know, I, I there's no mistake that, you know, it was not the strongest group on, on that defense. And that gets a little gets a little scary. I mean, you saw Tyree Kinnell go out um against Ohio State when he had that concussion. And, you know, it's it's very it gets very, it's very rocky after that, um, which is the main reason why they were trying to go after Deontay Anderson, too, to kind of shore up that uh, depth a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, there's there's room to grow, but I don't know how, it, again, and also it depends on who they hire as the, uh, the safeties coach uh, for next season, but, you know, I, I guess you consider this the floor, and and you know it only goes up from here. Because I don't know how. I mean, it obviously it can be worse, but I just don't see how this group can get worse.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. I mean, I don't know if I'm quite as harsh, and maybe maybe I will change my grade once I you know really dig into to every intricate number and things. But I, I'd probably say B minus. You know, it's You know, the, I I agree. It really came back to bite them. Uh I think Penn State Same same games as <laughs> as I listed. Uh, you know, all the losses and and I think I think you're right. I think I think the fact of the matter is they didn't have enough players ready to create a real competition and you know, not to harp on Metellus, but I think he's someone who you know, if he had a bad game, it's not like he was getting benched. You know, they were gonna keep putting yeah. him out there and that's that's where Anderson comes from. I don't think Michigan doesn't believe in their safeties, but it never hurts to have someone who they know can at least push you or contribute. You know, the, people people talk about Wayne Lyons and how that was, you know, a mistake, but if he was the one that pushed Delano Hill uh, to to really step up, or, or who was the other one? Uh, Jared Wilson. You know, if he was the one that kind of pushed them to the next level, you know, then that's that's someone that you want on your team. And so... Yeah, I absolutely. agree. I think them, along with the receivers, probably have the fastest path to success next season as far as the groups that underperformed uh, picking things up. Uh, just looking at these PFF numbers, Michigan pretty much all the safeties in the bottom half of every coverage category, so take that for what you will. Uh, finally, final grade special teams in let's see, we had James, I'll, I'll go with my grade first. James Fogue, A plus. I don't know if I've ever seen. It's just, you know, you don't want to geek out too much about kickoff guys, but it was just, it was like he could drop it at the two yard line off to the side every single time, and mm-hmm. Michigan led the nation in kickoff return defense, so kickoff coverage. Uh, so, so A plus there. Donovan Peoples Jones probably gets a B plus, A minus from me. There were some blips early on, but none of them were costly and then he was actually an asset in other games uh kick return probably gotta say c c minus just never never really flipped the field or did anything to spark the team uh field goal kicking probably a b certainly better than average first half of the season maybe average to below average the rest of the way uh so i think the net grade i would give them would be a B, oh, I forgot punting. It was like so-so. I mean, like middle, middle of the pack, Big Ten. Good yeah. hang time. Good hang time, but uh, I think there is something <laughs> to be said for a guy who can boot it 45 yards and and really just flip the field. So I'd probably say right. a B, a hair above like the NCAA average, but probably a hair below the Power 5 average. And so that's, you know, I. it is what it is. It ha, once again... Completely new set of starters at every position, I believe. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Yeah. Completely new stuff. So, so I guess you take a B. You know, it's a class you weren't necessarily prepared for, uh, in if we're carrying this metaphor into into the school. Um, but class you weren't prepared for, you probably take a B and you head into next season knowing that you have everybody back. Maybe, maybe Fog has to be replaced. I don't remember his eligibility, but yeah, I think he um,
1: has to be replaced.
0: But, you know got a lot of parts in place to be a lot better next season. How'd you grade them?
1: yeah, I would say b was probably pretty good i mean that's that's pretty much nailed it um yeah the, the punting wasn't wasn't good um it, it was it was so so i mean elite hand hang time, but you know you don't make your money's worth on on hang time um you know there was a couple of uh I don't know, I'm trying to think. There's only one punt return for a touchdown. That was against Wisconsin. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. But um, there wasn't really any mental lapses in the kick return game either. So they were they were pretty good. You know, Jordan Glasgow obviously a, a mainstay as a as a gunner on the kick return and punt return units. Um, yeah, I mean, it, again, it's it's one of those things where it's like you, you kind of you didn't have very high expectations for this group coming in because of so many people they had to replace. Um, But you were kind of accustomed to, especially with the field goal kicking earlier in the year. I mean, you know, Nordine was a huge reason why Michigan beat Florida and and why they were, you know, to to get out of the red zone troubles and then kind of slide towards the the end half of the season. Um, You know, those those expectations might've been uh, inflated a little bit, but yeah again it's it's one of those things where it's like again just like safeties just like wide receivers it, it, there's only it's only going to go up from here and and um you know you'll, you'll have to replace James Fogle Fog, unfortunately but you know, again, if that's that's the only thing that you have to replace <laughs> coming into next year, I think you'll be okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've always we made the joke last week that it's going to be peak Harbaugh when people start panicking about who the backup fullback is going to be behind Ben Mason. Yeah, really. And it's like who's who's going to be your <laughs> kickoff specialist. Uh, anyway, we got a few minutes left, so we'll run through some superlatives and we'll start. We got you know your basic run of the mill awards. I know. Michigan had its own awards just recently, so uh, we, we can uh, certainly we'll see how it reflects differently. MVP of the defense, who you got, Josh? Uh,
1: Maurice Hurst, hands down, not even close.
0: Yeah, I I actually am tempted to give it to Winovich because I think what one thing Winovich it, did yeah. is he in some of those road games, I think he actually really inspired the team. I thought he, I mean, first of all, his numbers were absurd. And I know Mo Hearst had really absurd numbers for a tackle. Uh, mm-hmm. But, and he, he obviously is the best graded player. So I'm saying it a little bit to just be different to be different. Uh, but Winovich, I mean, playing every snap in 90 degree heat against Purdue. And uh, I think yeah. he played every snap in a couple of Michigan's losses. I mean, that's that's really rare for a defensive end to pull that off. And I know they weren't rotating as much, uh, but he he was kind of like, he kind of reminded me of like that, you know, when when a player in basketball or football is just really feeling it and they like the coach says, oh, come out, come out, come out. And they're like, no, you know, they yeah. put down the hammer <laughs> and they keep making plays. So that's he stood out to me. So that'd be my second dairy MVP. Obviously, I would probably vote Hurst if needed. Most improved player on the defense.
1: I think that's where uh, Chase Winovich comes in for me. I mean, he obviously didn't have as much attention as guys like Rashawn Gary or uh, or uh, uh, Maurice Hurst, but again, I mean, I think that the improvement he shown, he show, uh displayed from game one to the end of the season, I think it was just, I mean, it was like you mentioned, I played every snap against Purdue in that insane heat. Um, you know, I think he probably showed the most improvement, but you can also make a strong argument for, for guys like, you know, David Long and, mm-hmm. and LaBert Hill as well, even though they didn't really necessarily see much time, but you know, there was just an upward trajectory for both of them from, from start to finish. But my vote's going to go to, uh, Chase.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In addition to Long and Hill, I think Bush and Hudson, I mean, they're all first year starters who won all big 10 awards. So uh, you know, anyone who does that is is probably on your list of being most improved. The one for me, though, I'm actually going to say Rashawn Gary, because not only did his numbers drastically improve from last season, even on a per-snap basis, he also improved throughout the course of the season. Uh, you know, I mean, his his second half of this season, if you missed it, it's actually really encouraging uh, for, for his goal. I mean, I, you know, he'll probably never meet the number one player in the country expectations, Uh, Unless he stays a fourth or fifth season. Um, But, you know, he can be an All-American. I mean, his his back half 2017 numbers were all Big Ten. And so, you know, take another step, you know, maybe maybe have more plays designed for you or, or, you know, be the guy who's maybe the primary blitzer more often uh you know who knows, but I mean his his all of his best games, his best five games were his last five games, and so they so he really improved there, he also improved year to year, you know just even in an eye test how hard are you playing on this snap, how hard are you playing on that snap? I thought he really got a lot better in that sense, freshman of the year uh and you can also say first well first year contributor. If, if you're running short on freshmen, because I know there aren't too many freshmen.
1: Uh, I mean, if you were going to talk de- uh, uh, defense and special teams, I would say probably Quinn Nordine is probably the only freshman yeah. I can really think of top of my head. Um, but a second-year guy, it, it's again, it's a toss-up between David Long and, and LaVert Hill. It, it's, you have to make a strong argument to determine who was better, but yeah, I'm, I'll give him a dual uh, of the year, uh, David Long and, and LaVert Hill.
0: Yeah, same. I don't, don't need to. We've talked about all three at, at length, I think, so So we can move on. Um, most underrated player in your eyes this season?
1: Most underrated player? Ooh. I think Khalid Hudson didn't get the love he deserved. I think he's had a couple of really strong games, um, you know, had a decent first half against uh, against Penn State and had a monster game against Minnesota. I don't think he got the hype um, as as some on the defensive line did. So I think he would be the most
0: underrated. That's a good pick. I I think I'll say uh, I'll say David Long because you know I think yeah I do think fans tend to remember the Detroit players a little bit more. Not all fans, of course, but I think so. I think Lavert Hill. Everyone knew how good he was. Uh, And I think David Long, he actually, depending on how you want to measure cornerbacks, but if you measure it on how quarterbacks did throwing at you, uh, David Long did better. You know, he had better numbers. And so, and even if, even if you put them at roughly the same, I don't think David Long gets the same amount of love that LaVert Hill does uh, from Michigan fans. So that's some, that would be my choice. And most overrated player. (laughs) This is tough. Got to say somebody. Um,
1: yeah, most overrated player. And this is not a slight against him. I think, you know, coming into the season, so many people expected, you know, huge numbers for him. But it's just it didn't really happen because of all the double teaming he received. But I'm going to say Rashawn Gary. Just from a, from the, I guess, overreaction of, of preseason hype that he received. Um, you know, it, it would have been we were all coming into the understanding that he was going to be, you know, had been paying attention to by, by defenses, which would allow guys like Chase Winovich and, and Mo to kind of get out there and, and, you know, rack up some stats. So not necessarily from, I'm not talking from a talent standpoint. I'm I'm talking more of a, I guess, preseason discussion standpoint of, of where things ended up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I think if you're, if you're in that discussion, I think Brian Monet might, might be my choice um uh i you know maybe even mike mccray uh just you know the the talks about him being a potential all-american were obviously premature um and Mm -hmm. and maybe that was unfair to him maybe that was you know know, who knows um uh, but i think eh, actually those three are probably i I can't think because i don't think the safeties are necessarily overrated i don't think anyone's uh pra you know, praising them as the best around. Uh so probably probably those three. Um and we'll see. We'll see. I think they'll have a chance to to prove themselves in the outback bowl, prove us wrong there. Uh best quote on the defensive side for me it was Chase Winovich and then uh Tyree Kinnell was my number two. Uh anyone else stand out to you?
1: I uh, chase Winovich would be num- my number one. My number two would probably be Rashawn Gary. Um, I, I, I'll never forget this when um, Rashawn he was had media availability during Rutgers week, and he was asked what stood out about the uh, about the Rutgers offense, and he had about uh, probably about a fifteen to to twenty second just dead pause. <laughs> of just staring off into space trying to figure out what to say. Yeah. And then he didn't come up with an answer. And he said, I'd rather, I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so that, that pretty much, that stood out to me and, and what they kind of thought about Rutgers. But yeah, I, I would say those two guys deserve that award.
0: I would be very curious to go inside Rashawn Gary's mind. Cause he was asked about that against Florida too. And he was like, nothing ever yeah. stands out on film to me. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> it's like, and like, and like the whole thing, like, like I don't get hurt. Like, just yeah. like he, it almost really does seem like he's part robot. Um, Oh, shoot. I was, oh, Mo Hurst was a, is a, he's a fun quote too. Cause he's, yeah. he's really yeah. thoughtful. Mike McCrae is too. Uh, you can see why they were the, uh, I think McCrae was the captain, right? But Mo Hurst was like kind yep. of also a captain as well. So yeah. you can see, as they get older, they get they get to be better quotes. Um biggest surprise, uh, one in a good way, one in a bad way. Mine was the, the uh secondary play, uh pass defense, and then mm-hmm. the bad way, uh also the secondary defense uh in in that they more more so cornerbacks good, safety's not good, um but as a net overall thing, they really made quarterbacks' lives miserable. Um and then they also uh, made their fans miserable a couple times here and there, giving up a yeah. couple big plays.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest surprise for me would be, yeah, defensive backs, hands down. Um, you know, again, it was a huge question mark heading into the season because you had to replace everyone. And, you know, they they realistically didn't really skip a beat. Um, but, yeah, I mm-hmm. think the, the safety's the safety play towards the end of the season was a a real liability for Michigan, which is unfortunate because, I mean, again, that's not even talking about offensive issues, but, you know, Michigan were still in a lot of these games and, you know, when they needed a stop, they just, they couldn't get it, especially against Ohio state. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it can only go up from here. At least that's the, that's the hope and expectation um but you know you can't say uh, can't say more good things about you know, the defensive backs as a whole
0: yeah yeah that's that's kind of you know last week we were like grasping for all the positive ones for for this week we're we're kind of like uh who's the most overrated and who's who's the biggest disappointment uh anyway last one breakout candidate call your shot it can be a starter who's going to be an all-American it can be a role player who's going to be a star it can be a freshman who's going to have a Devin Bush, Lavert Hill like sophomore year. Uh, who is your number one breakout candidate for next season?
1: I mean, I want to say Aubrey Solomon off the top of my head, but I feel like that's too easy. So I'm going to challenge myself here and I'm going to be, and I'm going to say Drew Singleton is going to kind of break out as a, uh, a starting uh,
0: linebacker okay. next year and do a really good job. Yeah. I really should have thought about this more. Uh, Uh, I mean, I'll say, can I say Rashawn Gary? Is that like, I'll say, I'll say Rashawn Gary, all American. Uh, It'll be tough because if Chase Winovich leaves, suddenly you're replacing two really dominant stars. So he's not, he's going to get double teamed more and he's going to be, you know, they're going to run away from him and, you know, they're going to try to set things up so he can't make plays. Uh, But I think, I think he's going to be able to look at this off season and really look at the film and say, okay, this worked, this didn't work. And plus, I think when you're making picking breakout candidates, you always have to go with the potential. And Rashawn Gary has oozes with All-American, top-10 NFL draft pick potential. Um, as, as Aubrey Solomon's not too far behind either, the way he can move and the things he can do. So uh, he, he's probably a good candidate too, especially since he's going to be replacing Mo Hurst. I mean, you know mm-hmm. that position. That position's been pretty productive for Michigan the past few years. So uh, that's actually a very good choice too. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Wolverine 24 7 podcast. A uh, special shout out to Josh Henschke for joining me on late notice. Uh, but if you enjoyed what we talked about, we have a lot of stories on all of it. Michigan.247sports.com, the Michiganinsider.com. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up today, uh, into the month. We've got, we'll have uh, Outback Bowl stuff. We'll have pretty much anything you want to know about Michigan sports. We've got it. There's already some recruiting news today, even while we recorded. Uh, they went up so that's worth keeping an eye on too but anyway this has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast hope you had fun hope you learned something and we'll see you next time